And I, I, I really should have gone back and listened to you getting the Steam Deck because getting the Steam Deck, um, I, it's a, I, it's a good unbox. I, I gotta say, it, it is kind of like a video game dream come true. It is incredible. Um, yeah, it's perfect. Uh, you and I got. I think we, you, we, you, we both got the most expensive one, right? The it's like seven ninety nine, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. And uh, holy shit! I mean, it, I, I, I can't even describe the feel. Like, I, I, we, we mostly play games on PC, like almost exclusively, and I almost exclusively play everything Alpha Steam. I mean, obviously, like we play a lot of League and Valorant. Um, those are Riot client. And then some things aren't on Steam. I'm not saying that everything's on Steam, but it's crazy to get a handheld console that is that powerful that is accessing your Steam library because yeah. it's such a different feeling than anything else. Like it is, I've never had the feeling of like getting a Switch and then day one booting it up and being like, it's it's like if every single GameCube game you owned, an N64 game you owned was already on the Switch right on your first day. So it's like, oh, it's going to be exciting when more games come out, but I could just sit and, like, download anything I want. Like, I, I there's there's so many things that... There's games I haven't finished that I want to go back to and, and, and play. And you can open up, like, the Microsoft Store. If you have Game Pass, you can access your Game Pass games on Steam. Wild. Deck. I did not even know it that. Takes, it takes a little bit of workaround, but it does... It runs an OS. Like, it's running a Linux OS. Yeah. So if you want Epic Game Store, you want your your GOG games, you could play you could play Legends of Runeterra on this, you know. Damn, it's it's crazy. It is like it is such a powerful console. It did take a little while. I don't know if you feel like this. Maybe I have small baby hands. Um, no, they're it's a big system. You know what they say about it's Irish big, people, right? It is heavy. But it is heavy. But it the the, the initial um playing like, like my initial thought out of the box other than like all the positive the insane amount of positive things that I would say about it um is that yeah, it, it's very very heavy. It it's the it's like the uh complete it it's the stranger things upside down version of a switch where instead of it feeling like flimsy and that it could die at any time, it feels like this indestructible brick. Um, but it's very heavy. And um, I think the one of the main initial complaints I kind of felt like is that it's hard to, you, the way you hold it, it's very big and you're holding it at the very top of it. Like the, the, the buttons yeah. are, are at the top 10% of the, of this massive brick. And there's the, 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 the there's right bumper and right trigger um, and getting my fingers on those and the buttons and com holding it comfortably, um, I feel like I'm not noticing it that much anymore. But there was a um, there was a learning curve. Uh, I, I did not feel comfortable holding this thing at first. Um, and then also, I haven't found a game yet that used the back buttons. Um, you can you can uh, assign, assign them. Those. Yeah. Yeah. You, those could be any buttons you want. It's funny, though, because I would imagine most games, uh, uh, games so far that I felt like work really well are games that just work with a controller. So um, if you have your fingers on the, the trigger buttons and the, you know, stick and uh, uh, buttons, then then you're you're pretty much good anyway. Um, and for the most part, I've had a great experience with uh, games, even games that say that they don't translate well. Um uh, so I haven't felt like it's 100% true whether or not the game uh, on on Steam it'll give you a kind of like icon whether it's Steam Deck verified and 
I haven't always felt like as a true, true translation. Um, one of the games that I want to talk about today, uh, 20 Minutes Till Dawn, um, uh, it says that it has like, you know, it says like, you know, it, it works. It has the green light. Like it, it this is, this works perfect with uh, yeah, Steam says, Deck. Yeah. And it, Deck and it does. Verified. And, and it, and it does work um, pretty well. But then there's some like kind of weird stuff where it thinks you're using a mouse sometimes for certain things and it doesn't work. I, I uh, yeah, I think was, if you like use the touchpad or whatever, it assumes that you just picked up a mouse, you know what I mean? No, it just in certain menus it thinks it's a mouse. It thinks that the game like wants to use a mouse. I think uh. the the worst example I've seen of this so far is with a game that is already actually bad uh, called Ancient Gods, a pretty recent release um, that I think you played for like 5 seconds and bounced right off of as well. Um, yeah, I returned that. Recently. I returned it as I, I returned it as well. It's it's a it's attempting to be like a slay the spire. Um, it, it's not good. I don't like it. It's, it doesn't look good aesthetically. Um, I don't think that like gameplay wise, it's interesting and I couldn't find anything that it was doing that much differently than these kind of games. If I wanted to play something I would, like this, I'd play Slay the Spire. Um, and that game says it, or it monster train, that game says that it is or monster train. That game says that it is steam deck verified, but, um, it is not at all. It, it, it's the, it's the, it, it just only lets you use the left stick as a mouse cursor so there's no like there's no actual like bouncing between options the way you would with like an actual controller and a left stick you're just mousing over things in the, like anything so essentially anything would work on steam deck if you're just going to use the left click as a mouse you know like it's or the left stick as a mouse so like that game did not play well on steam deck and i bounced right off of it but but wow steam deck is crazy um, the, so what's what's working well for you so far on Steam Deck? Um, I, I haven't like uh, I, I there's there's some games I'm kind of interested in. One of the first games that I wanted to try out just as a and I I, I might it's one of those games it's one of these like dogs that have have uh, uh, constantly chased me if that that's, that metaphor makes any any sense. This is this is one of my um, goddamn from from uh, uh, Les Mis Javert. This is this this game is. My Javert, where it, it it kind of chases me, um, not not as much as uh, Persona Five does, but Sekiro. Um, and I wanted to give Sekiro another good shot because I finished uh, Elden Ring and I didn't like the direction it went in um, entirely gameplay wise, or, or like in in just in combat. Um, and I liked Bloodborne, and a lot of our complaints actually kind of boiled like get get undone by Sekiro um, uh, in the past. Like, Sekiro, we had, like, a lot of complaints about how the game ha- allows you to play it in a lot of different ways, but because it allows you to play it in a lot of different ways, that you can break it a lot and that people are having weirdly, vastly different experiences in it. And Sekiro is an extremely curated game. Like, you know, everything you're doing is a unique moment and everything you're finding is for your build. There's no other build. You're just playing it. So um, I gave There's this a, a sword shot. guy. You're a sword guy. Um, so you have I, different arms. Yeah, I was giving it. I was giving it another shot, and it was like the quickest I was ever going through Sekiro, and I was also playing way differently, which actually, like, I had the first spark of like finally enjoying Sekiro, realizing that they don't want you to play it the way that I play um, uh, pre- pre- previous from Soul from from Soft games where Soft, yep. you you wait for an enemy to attack and then you dodge. Like dodging is not that good in this game. But what is good is, like, standing, like, right up in front of the enemy, attacking, like, multiple times, and then quickly, like, parrying that, their attack. 
So it becomes like much more like when you see high level play of this game, it's like the person sitting in front of the enemy, like attack, attack, parry, attack, attack, parry. Like there, it becomes like a dance of they're attacking between every hit of the enemy rather than the previous way of playing, which is like you just wait for an enemy attack, you roll it, and then you attack in their recovery in like the enemy's recovery frame. So I was playing. Interesting. I was playing a little bit different. I was playing differently. I don't know what like sparked me to play like ag- very aggressively, and that it like I was like, oh, this is actually. Makes makes sense. I've played it wrong every single time I've ever played yeah, it. Yeah, like so I, I assume you got through like Madame Butterfly at this point. Like no, how far in how far in? No, I didn't get. I I I mainly, I mainly I didn't even get up to the horse boss yet. Um, oh, okay. I, it was more because I wanted to download something quick and I wanted to see a pretty good looking game. Um, and it's also sure. and also I've just think, I've been thinking about that Spider Man game. Yeah, like I, I think games like that. Like it's it's interesting how good this system look so the first game i downloaded Sekiro, i just wanted to see like not only do i have a history of like it's i I keep wanting to play it and beat it but also i I think it's a pretty good looking game and it was just interesting to like give it a shot um but but it was not a game that i like put a ton of ton of time into um interesting cool uh so what else have you played on the steam deck i'll tell you that uh when i picked it up one thing that i enjoyed a lot was into the breach I think that games like that, I don't know if Civ has, um, I don't know if Civ would be good because I feel like Civ needs that like big screen. Yeah. But I, I really do like dig like the turn-based tactics into the breach. I don't know if you, uh, have looked into it recently, got a massive update. Yeah, I do kind massive, of want, actually massive. do like, really want to download into the breach. Cause that's kind of the games I'm playing. I weirdly enough, I'm not even playing the, maybe it's not weird, but I'm not even playing the super good looking games even though the, the the steam deck does seem to like support yeah. it and run it pretty well the games that i've been playing recently have been like rogue legacy 2 20 minutes till dawn um vampire survivors and i'm trying to finish up tunic so i'm playing all these different games and a lot and, yeah. uh, and cult of the uh cult of the lamb of course like I, we'll talk about that but i'm playing all these yeah. games that are not necessarily demanding a lot of them are actually like pixel art games um yeah, so Into the Breach, I mean, this new DLC, it got five new squads, uh, and a lot of them are really interesting. One of them is based around fire damage, but also if you move your own guys into fire, they get bonuses. And then there's one that's kind of like playing as the enemy. It's called, like, the Arachnoids, where you're playing as, like, aliens who, after they defeat an enemy, they resurrect them and turn them into one of your allies. There's, like, ten new enemy types, ten new bosses... 12 new missions and 40 new weapons. It's a lot of new content for Into the Breach. It, it, yeah. it feels like a massive expansion, and it's free. Yeah, I, f- I feel like so that is a game it. that you I have it I, on your. I do have app. it, and I could just download it. I also have noticed that downloading is fucking blazing fast. I don't know what it bullshit is like. Blazing. It is like bullshit blazing. Like I most of the stuff I download. A lot of these games that I just mentioned are pretty small, but I feel like they'll da- it'll download it within a second. Um, and then Sekiro, I think, was like five minutes. It's pretty crazy. Um, it was pretty short. Um, so yeah, I do actually want to give that back, give that, uh, give that a shot again. The game that I stuck with and uh, what I've been kind of doing it to relax, uh, which is like my my zone, is that I recently realized that Hulu is the best service. Um, they got everything. Hulu's really good. Hulu's insane. They got everything on it. They got all these like repeatable shows that I love, and like my sleeping has gotten better because I love to watch a show. And there's a certain vibe of a show that I can fall asleep to, um, like 
you know, lighter comedies that have, like, um, you know, nice aesthetic styles or, like, you know, very, like... Uh, Something optimistic. Optimistic. Stuff like that that it's, like, easier for me to, like, fall asleep to. Um, stuff like Futurama I, I, I've always really liked or... Um, uh, Superstore. I've been I've been watching like there's it, Hulu is just crazy because it, it's weird owning Netflix and Netflix being the thing that I if I'm watching TV I'm watching Netflix and Netflix has like mostly dramas that you don't really want to watch again and then you go to Hulu yeah. where how they have like Bob's Burgers American Dad Superstore uh, Rick and Morty American uh, Family Guy. Uh, they have, I could like list off a million of these shows that they have that are extremely long running, like sitcoms or, um, cartoons that are super like enjoyable and have so much content. Like it's like a billion hours of stuff to watch. I've been watching that and playing like easier games on my steam deck, uh, which has been like a a cool way to relax and, and play steam deck. So 20 minutes till dawn was the first game that I was playing a lot of and watching superstore. That's been my experience. Um, have you played this game? I think uh, you, talk, minutes you talked long. about it. Of course it. I did, yeah. I play all of these types of games. I'm obsessed with these. Yo. So the Vampire Survivors, uh, I've played this one, and then there's another one that is so Yeah, there's, similar a, there's another one, and then there's one that's coming out soon. This is a whole genre spawned by Vampire Survivors. To explain what this kind of is, is it it is a roguelike. Um, it is a game where it's in a genre created, I guess, by Vampire Survivors, which is like a $3 game that you should you should buy if you're you know, interested or not even interested because $3. But um, the idea of it is, is that you start out kind of on a screen where enemies are coming slowly in from all sides and the game will get harder over time. Um, as you're playing, you're getting like drops and getting increasingly stronger and um, uh, you are leveling up and getting experience and finding things. And the kind of the dream is that by later in the game you've like surpassed a point of power that like everything on the screen is just exploding there's like thousands of enemies flooding onto the screen and they're just dying by your proximity um and the first one of these i played was 20 minutes till dawn which might be weird because i think a lot of people probably played vampire survivors first or or magical survive magic survival which is uh it predates it Uh, oh yeah vampire survivors is actually kind of like a I, w- I don't want to say knockoff, but it is an iteration on Magic. Okay, Survival, I didn't know that. Which is a phone game. Okay, I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't know that. But uh, but but I think I we did kind of talk about this once. But um, yeah. uh, I I I really enjoyed. I think so far I've put in a lot more time into Twenty Minutes Till Dawn. Um, and I've kind of I've unlocked everything in Twenty Minutes Till Dawn except for the um completing the talent trees, which is like pretty ridiculous time investment. Um, but that game I. I, I, I write at this moment like a little bit better than Vampire Survivors because um, it has more of a build to it. Um, so I, I know what you mean. It does. It does. Th- these games are pretty different because I feel like um, Vampire Survivors has a lot more meta progression where yes. you're constantly unlocking new characters and new items. It's full of like Easter eggs and secrets. And the runs that you're doing are really fueling the next run. Whereas with 20 minutes until dawn, uh, the runs have a lot of like action going on where it feels like you're becoming like super fucking powerful. You're finding synergies and and you do find synergies in Vampire Survivors, but not to the level of absurdity that it gets to in 20 minutes till dawn. Yeah. Uh, 
necessarily. I mean, it's weird. Vampire Survivor is also the type of game where you kind of need a wiki to fully grok it because uh, there are these weapon upgrades that make the weapons like insanely strong that like evolve them to the next tier. But you need to have both the weapon fully leveled up and a passive item. And then once you have those two things, then you'll get like a god version. I didn't know that, but I think I accidentally got the one for the magic wand where I I had the magic wand that turned off the cooldown for the magic wand and it was just constantly going, um, which which was pretty cool. But I didn't know like what actually made that happen. Yeah, but with uh, 20 minutes until dawn, it's more like um, I, I it's a lot more plain looking like not. Like it's stylized. I, I, I think this st- stylistically, on. I think I, I really like it. I think it looks um, a little bit better. Although I would have the complaint that everything in twenty minutes tilt dawn is um, gray or red. Uh, so your character will have like some red flares, but mostly like all the enemies are pretty gray. And I've noticed that there's some issues with um, particularly some of the items that like will revolve around you, making the screen really cluttered. Uh, one of the one of yeah. the items you can get is a dragon egg um and it's supposed to give you like a really the idea of is it is it gives you a very very powerful um summon which is like something you can build around in that game you can get yeah. like other summons or things that have yep. summon percent but you damage you start with just the egg you start with it the takes egg. a couple minutes yeah to three open. minutes yeah so it takes three minutes for the for the egg to come out so more than a lot of other things you're investing time into it um the other upgrades in the game would be something you know like now you have a ghost that follows you and shoots uh, at the nearby enemies. Now your your um, your attacks light people on fire. Now you uh, damage people within your radius. Um, but this thing and, and is... it's worth it's worth noting also this is an early access game. Uh, yeah, twenty minutes. Uh, they're both early access, so we're gonna see some more stuff uh, coming out for these teams. So you you it's a cool thing of like you get this this um egg and in three minutes it'll hatch but for now it's useless um but what i've noticed that with this and with some of the other things like the revolving i think axes or something um you it, it clutters the screen and when there's a lot of enemies kind of coming close to you the enemies are will go will be under the egg like the game layers them it's a top down i don't i we might not also explain that this is like a completely top down um pixel art like these are both top down pixel art um, so, uh, if this, this egg that's rotating around you or other cl- stuff that can be rotating around can, um, hide enemies and it, they, they would be very, very close to you and hit you and you might not notice it. So that's kind of annoying. I, I've, I've had issues where just readability has been an issue way more than in vampire survivors, like vampire survivors. I don't necessarily feel like readability has been as much of an issue, but I, but, uh, like I said, I, I think with Vampire Survivors so far, and this is very, this is earlier in than the hours that I put into uh, 20 Minutes Till Dawn, um, it seems like most of the things are cool, and, like, the, the killing of the enemies and, like, the how insane you can get is very awesome and feels very good, um, but a lot of the things are, like, you get an axe and then you keep upgrading it and it keeps getting stronger, whereas 20 Minutes Till Dawn has all these cool mechanics passive abilities but but you are just using pretty much like the one weapon right so you start out in 20 minutes with like a shotgun and at the end of the game you still have a shotgun it's doing a lot more shit but it's it's still just the one weapon sort of i mean i've gotten i've had some like insanely cool i don't know if they added some stuff since you played but like some of the crazier things that I've seen where, like, the game just gets out of control and is way more cool. And actually, another thing we should probably mention with the difference is that Vampire Survivors is completely 
passive in a weird way. You just move the character. Yeah, you um, only move the character, and then uh, the weapons that you collect auto fire. Yeah, they don't. Des- you don't decide to do anything. So everything is based on cooldowns, which is an interesting concept. Like um, you could get a Bible that that rotates around you and damages enemies that are that are hit by it. Um, and you can keep upgrading it to get more Bibles and lower the cooldown for it, but it'll like do a rotation or two and then it, and then it goes away for, for like five seconds and then it comes back and does a rotation. Yeah. And and you could get like a passive items that might increase the, or, or like decrease the the cooldowns. Yeah. So in, um, 20 minutes till, till dawn, uh, you, it's all active. Like you are, you're firing gun and a lot of the later guns or even guns that are earlier have some cool synergistic things. Um, what I, just to like show some of like the more insane things that I feel like I found that just like make the game get out of control is that there's a bat gun and it's interesting. Uh, bat? It, yeah, bat. Okay. I just, see, I don't know if you've seen this. It might have not been, like... like the, the game is early access, like you said, so I don't know if you got far enough or, or saw this, but there's a gun where it has... Uh, like, the the guns all feel pretty differently, and there's a lot of mechanics around, obviously, like, the um, like width and, like, the, the range of it and uh, how much is in the chamber for it. So there's this gun called... that There's, like, a bat gun that shoots a bat, and the bats... It shoots two bats, actually, and the, the bats will, like, fly around for a bit and home onto enemies, and there's 12 shots in the uh, in the chamber before you have to, like, re- in, the, in the magazine of, of live bats before you have to reload. And there's some characters that have really, really crazy synergy with, with it. So, for example, there's one character where she fires every round in your... in your... Uh, in the clip um, really rapidly and doesn't walk to do it because this is a mechanic for this game too is that while you're firing the character has to like slow down and aim so you kind of have to like move away from enemies take a shot slow down and aim like and this character um constantly moving at full like run speed um just dumps the entire clip and that's it'll jump like 12 bats out to to the screen that all homes stuff and then she'll immediately reload and it's really like so that's really crazy um, there's another character where whenever you kill an enemy, um, it spawns a ghost that that functions as a summon. And there's like as you're getting, you're picking your upgrades and stuff. You can go down routes where I think it's like if you get a ghost. Um, one of the things later on that you can get is that you can increase summon damage. And bats count as both projectile, a bullet, and a summon. And that whenever enemies die, they summon these ghosts that track down enemies. Um, so I was getting to a point in, in a game with this bat gun and this character that summons the ghosts on killing things where I'm just like firing the bats and they're like flying off stream and uh, uh, like to the edges of the screen, killing things, summoning a ghost from the death that's running over and killing another thing. And that it's just like nonstop, um, they having to sound like path of exile it, yeah, in terms like of it, the absurdity. It, level. it gets very like, I, I feel like you get that thing that we talk about in roguelites more, um, in this game than you do in Vampire Survivors where you get this like build that like goes out of control. Like in Vampire Survivors, I've had, I, I had a, a, a pa- pa- I think a run that went a little bit over clo- at least close to 20 minutes and it was like, you know, shit was just good. Like I, so I have, you, have you won in Vampire Survivors? Um, no. Um, I, I, I had a run that was like, I, I don't know what you have to do. I, maybe it was near the end where like this massive Medusa spawned. Um, um, but uh, I, I got really far in it and things things were going great but there wasn't anything like 
the builds don't like as far as i see like don't play that much off each other in a lot of cases it's more like i just kept getting in the beginning i just kept getting garlic and it does like passive damage and then got like you know the the magic wand all the way upgraded and that does so all the things it's like it's more like whenever you level up you're getting a choice to um like increase your magic wand or increase your garlic ability and as those are getting higher the game is getting crazier versus until uh 20 minutes till dawn where there's all these insane synergies um and the game gets like even crazier near the end and even the the initial like you're, you you keep get unlocking characters and guns and even some of the initial things like have some wild synergies like characters that uh there's a character like one of the first characters you get um when the uh, uh every two shots or something of a gun um she shoots out like a massive flaming projectile that lights enemies on fire and there's all these mechanics around um, increasing the ignite damage. There's mechanics around when an enemy dies, they spread ignite. There's uh, like uh, mechanics around healing per tick of having a, a percent chance to heal for every tick of ignite. Um, so there's like there's really crazy stuff. There's uh, there's like I've gone like there's a character where whenever you kill an uh, uh, randomly. Um, as you kill enemies, like ice butterflies spawn and chase down enemies and freeze them. And then there's mechanics around like uh, the freeze transferring to other people or um, dealing percent health damage and exploding and all this kind of shit. So that game, like, I feel like it it it, it is a little bit more of a roguelike of like I I, I picked this character and this gun and went this build and it got out of control and it was so so fun. And Vampire Survivors is more like. It just got just got it gets out of control. It's not really necessary. It didn't. It yeah, doesn't well, feel so I mean, far. I mean, in Vampire Survivors, it's you're not you're making fewer choices. Like, and that is like the difference of yeah. I mean, I guess it is that, but I don't know how far you've gotten. You do get a lot of weapon unlocks in Vampire Survivors. I'm sure there's and... more stuff down. I just I've played like three or four runs. Um, like I said, the furthest I went was like around I think it was around 20 minutes, and it's just giant Medusa spawned and. I did unlock like a ton of stuff after that. I got like two thousand gold from that run, and I unlocked the old man who has garlic. Um, so yeah, there's there's what like I think there's forty seven weapons and like twenty passive items in Vampire Survivors, and you definitely do assemble builds around. Uh, there will be like power ups that'll give you like an extra projectile. So then you want to like you know specialize in only projectile weapons. So you instead of picking up garlic, you might pick up. Like knives or doves instead, stuff like that. So, and there, there definitely is synergy with the with the characters. I think that the characters are maybe a little bit less interesting than in Twenty Minutes Till Dawn. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's also different levels, and eventually you unlock um, Arcanas in Vampire Survivors, which are uh, these major run-altering perks that will like totally. Yeah, I mean, they, they pretty drastically changed the way that the game works. But there is definitely, like, a progression of uh, getting through the different levels and doing some of, like, the challenge runs and the boss runs and things like that in Vampire Survivors. I think that, as it stands, Vampire Survivors right now is more of a complete game. But I, I do see how, you know, someone might think that the, the runs in... 20 minutes until dawn feel more snappy and impactful and give you that uh fantasy the power trip fantasy uh that you would get from like a, a roguelike game where your build gets out of control yeah like i feel like i always look for those games that are more like slay the spire where early on you get some 
upgrade that makes you know bleed poison control poison damage out of control and then everything starts spiraling off from there and like this is a pretty cool game yeah for that i mean play thing, monster like you, train yeah that that game i i think monster train does that more than any other uh roguelite has for me um so so yeah i played that i i played a a fair amount of nobody saves the world and i think i'm falling off of it yeah i um, fell off of that one i think so like, that was I'm, on game pass i i think it's interesting i'm playing all these these games that are not uh, that we haven't mentioned that are that are uh, a little bit older but um nobody saves the world came out a little bit earlier in this year and um i i know you like fell off it pretty quick it feels like that game could have been something so special um i i Got, first of all, it takes a really long time. The idea of the game is that you early on find a magic wand that lets you switch between forms. Um, and so far, the, getting further into the game, the forms have been pretty boring. Um, in the beginning, I thought the game was going to be more like fun and crazy um, and like over the top. Um, the game kind of like straddles this concept of. Uh, you know, tons of enemies and doing very well and killing enemies rapidly. And um, also like all the, those reward centers of your brain lighting up because like the main, I've, I would say the main draw or like why you play this game is that the game gives you all these quests, like tons of quests. It is like if you ever get that feeling in an MMO where um, like playing WoW, they would say, you have to go over to this area and kill five quill borers. And then someone else gets a quest that says, give me five quill borer tusks. And then someone else gets a quest that's like, pick up four quill borer um, supply sacks. And you're like completing all these at once and like turning them all in. This game is like that. This game like gives you um, quests to like complete uh, from like minor, from like major stuff, like completing a dungeon to like minor stuff, like hit 50 enemies with rats bite. Um, and it gets to the point where, um, you are also slotting in abilities from other forms. Um, yeah, so, so I, I don't think we talked about this, but yeah, the main idea is that it's a game where you're constantly unlocking forms and you're going down like this tech tree where once you get a form leveled up enough, you can then move on to the next one. So at one point you'll unlock like a ranger. And if you get far enough in the ranger, then you'll unlock like a horse yeah you could just be a horse um yeah so you get to you get to this point where um uh first of all and it takes a while to get a fast swap if, between forms which feels really shitty i don't know why they 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 put it a couple hours into the into the game like because before that it's like the whole game is the experience of the water temple in ocarina of time where you're having to keep going into the menus to turn on iron boots it's kind of frustrating. Like you, you realize you're gonna need a ranger for this. You're gonna need to switch to ranger for this, and you have to hit start, go over to the side to a menu to switch to ranger, and there's an animation, and then you go back out, and now you're you're a ranger in in the game, which is annoying. And then eventually you get the ability to like quick swap between forms. And I thought that the game was heading in a pretty good direction, but this really frustrating thing happens where they start putting me into these dungeons where enemies have like a shield that has to be broken by a certain type of damage most of the um forms you have will have a type of damage between like sharp blunt um dark poison yeah. stuff like that and it gets really annoying like I, I mean at least for the part that i am right now 
Um, a lot of things like are, are wanting me to break their shield with, with dark damage. And it'll be just big swarms of enemies. And the only thing that I have that does dark damage is uh, um, uh, the rat. And it's like the worst form. And you have to run over with the rat and bite them once to like walk away. And it just, none of it feels good. I feel like this game, this game went in a bad direction in development where I, I see how if, if, if the combat was just like fun and crazy and over the top and they were sending like 30 enemies at you at a time and you're running around as a rat like biting them and poisoning them and then exploding them all that and and turning in all these quests that the game would just feel like this crazy constant dopamine rush and it feels like it wants to be that but it just does not nail the landing did you get to the part of the game where they let you uh essentially like switch yes use the slots of some enemies so you could like be a ranger but use rat abilities yeah yeah so i so i'm there but there's a but but specifically what was driving me crazy at this part of the game is that all the dark damage that i have is tied to the rat's abilities so the rat has the the rat's main concept is that whenever it bites which is it's typical it's it it, you can't you can slot in uh, there's like you know uh four abilities um, that you can have on a, on the each form at a time, and there's a basic ability that you can't sl- you can't change or slot in anywhere else. Then there's like their X, Y, and B abilities or whatever. Um, so the rat has all these abilities. There's one like its main ability is a shitty bite where you have to be like right on top of the enemy to bite it. And whenever you bite the enemy, you call, you rack up this like poison meter. And once the poison meter is full on the enemy, it poisons them. And then the rat has these mechanics. There's a um, devour mechanic where uh, you can, if an enemy is poisoned, you can bite them to deal a lot of damage and heal ba- yourself a little bit. And then there's an explosion mechanic where you can detonate a, 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 the poisoned enemies on the screen. And the way that you, they'd want you to play this is like run around and bite all these things and and devour them and explode them or whatever. But in in practice, it feels like pretty early on, like the en- there's a lot, there'll be a big flocks of enemies. And if they're dark, like I have to run in as a rat, like, and then run into the middle of them to like break all their dark shields and that's really dangerous it's like almost getting me killed every single time i'm going into the enemies and i can't it because it's a the, the shield is dark um the abilities that i just listed for the rat are all based on dealing dark damage after an enemy is poisoned so to the only character that i have that can deal dark damage up front and break the shield the dark shields is the rat's weak basic bite attack so where I'm at, I have to like run into a, it, there'll be a big crowd of enemies that do a good amount of damage to me. I have to run and like break their shields, in which case I take like half my health in damage, and then I can maybe switch over to like a ranger or something and start hitting them now that the shields are broken and applying poison and then detonate them that way. But it's just really fresh. I, I don't feel like this game needed that mechanic. I feel like this game, again, like was trying to be a crazy dopamine rush of switching abilities and killing like 40 enemies on the screen, almost vampire survivor-esque um, and turning in a thousand quests. And it like, it does not know what it wants to be. Like it doesn't know if it wants to be a more technical game where you're having to like rapidly swap between forms to like break one shield and then uh, hit them with another ability. And like, it just, it doesn't, I don't feel like yeah. it pays it. It pays off. It like does not feel great. It's a good idea, but yeah, there was something about it. I, the the forms were, I feel, 
not interesting enough. They are not interesting. The, the idea of it was kind of cool, of like being a slug with horse abilities and all that. It was like they're they're mad boring. Neat, like uh, every form I found is like pretty fucking boring. There's there there's some like. My, like they have these moments where you're again like the whole yeah, game the is idea this... of synergizing them together was interesting but once so i fell off the game shortly after unlocking the ability to synergize where i, I feel like i was kind of waiting for it and then it finally came and i was like all right let me see what i could put together and then after doing some of the combinations i was just like yeah this is underwhelming and i stopped playing but and, that's the joy of Game Pass. Yeah, and just, it also, like, the game does this thing where it kind of feels like the developers know what the best combinations are. Um, like, the game will even give you quests for, like, um, use... Be a, be like, a slug and Be a slug this, and use the and do poison ability. Like, uh, something. Like, it, the game, like, will tell you those kind of things. And when you think about it, like, in, in a base level, at least at this point in the game, before I have, like, all the forms or whatever... It's like, oh yeah, you're right. That is, you're exactly right. That character with this ability would make the most sense. Like, why the fuck would I? I wouldn't really be like switching these and swapping them around that much. I feel like you, the game, just pointed me at the direction that is the best. Um, so yeah, that's that game. That I don't feel like nobody saves the world is that fantastic. Um, uh, speaking of games, I don't think are fantastic. I also played Cult of the Lamb. <laughs> I am right with you on this. Holy shit! <laughs> uh, not no argument there. Of the Lamb is a it, it is a sort of like a management simulator uh, for cult game, but also has like this run based. I don't want to say roguelite, but also like this run. It is it is a roguelite, but it is the it. it is the worst roguelite. There, so these two things that you're doing is so you are managing a cult, you're building buildings, uh, you're putting forth doctrines. And then you're going into these dungeons to defeat these gods and bring back more resources. But each of these two things uh, are half-baked. The only th the, the combat is super simple. The game has difficulty levels, which I think is awful. I don't think that a roguelite should really have difficulty levels. Hades didn't have difficulty levels. To me, this is that they didn't really think about how well the game would be balanced. And I feel like difficulty levels are a real good way to just facilitate like... We don't know exactly how difficult this should be, so let's just put in difficulty levels. The really weird thing about difficulty levels in a, in a in a roguelite anyway is that they're built in such a way to naturally make it so that even bad players will eventually get there. Like you, like a, an amazing, unbelievable player could probably finish Hades on like a raw playthrough or on a second and first run. Whereas the wor the worse that you are, the every time you're you're running the game and and like losing and advancing, you're getting all these upgrades that make you like quicker, better, stronger, run to the end quicker, and like that is pretty cool. That roguelites have a built-in um, like curve softening for for the player they, they get better at the game and the game rewards them better so the idea yeah like i i think the idea of difficulty is kind of um is kind of weird is like a weird kind yeah, of thing but, but, in the, the game. but the combat here is um bad it's bad it, it's it's boring it's mostly it is uh, it's responsive but it's boring i, I uh, feel the, like it, it's bad uh the things that you get like your weapons are pretty dull there's not really like combos the uh, speaking of like games that don't give you uh, meaningful abilities, uh, the the tarot cards, which are your like passive perks that you're picking up, they're very dull. They're like 
I don't have, know, give you gain, half a heart. A, gain a heart. Gain a heart. Like, when you, when you th- so so yeah, like the main t- so for the roguelite portion of this game, you're going like room to room fighting enemies. Like you said, the the um the actual I feel like the combat is very weak. You start out with like a weapon and a magic ability. Um and the I have not felt like there is a lot of difference so far with like the weapons like they're just kind of balanced around they attack faster and do less damage or they attack slower and do more damage. They're the the combat kind of feels like a little clunky and underwhelming. It's a game about like walking near an enemy and the enemy charges up and it like it'll be in a room of a bunch of little enemies and they're all they like turn white and charge up an attack and then like move towards you or something and you whack them a few times and kill them um the uh magic abilities i have not felt like are that interesting and you can't do them that much like they run out very very quickly so so they're that feels kind of sparse and then as for like what you're getting in the run um this is a boring as hell decision because the like you said, like the tarot card, you, you go into these rooms where you get a tarot card and that's kind of your main upgrade that you get other than upgrading your weapon or your magic ability is getting these tarot cards and they're, they're stuff like, you know, get a half a heart extra or some of them are stuff like when you get hit down to your last half a heart, deal two damage to things in the room. Like I don't have a concept for what two damage is. That is that I, an axe in the game deals like two damage per swing is that a single accent like that is a boring ability and what you're going into the roguelite dungeons for is resources to spend on the outside on the cult on the little town you're building to be able to build more things in your settlement to be able to build a uh, new like resource generating mine or a lumber yard or create a new place for the t- the, the town yeah, to worship and- and the idea of it makes sense, right? Like the idea of yeah. like there are these two systems that are feeding into one another where I'm getting materials that are going to build up the cult and then I'm going down these trees which are going to give me uh, better weaponry and things like that. I'm going to get new perks of like my weapon is like poisonous now and now that, my we- now that I'm going down this poison tree, I can like uh, get these like f- uh, heavy hitting weapons that will stack harder poisons like those types of decisions don't really feel meaningful and they don't really pan out because like I said, these two, these two uh, different mechanisms, these two sides of the gameplay aren't really really compelling. So they're, they're trying to bank on the fact that there's like two of them and that maybe they're like greater than the sum of their parts, but they're really not. I think that the, the cult side, the building cult building aspect of it, like, has some merits to it. There are some interesting things that you eventually have to contend with where you want to bring in new people to your cult, but they have these like upsides and downsides. And some of the cultists will like start to have their faith wane and they'll become like dissenters. And, and then you're going down decision trees of like, do I want to uh, learn doctrines that are going to uh, help me ingratiate faith in my cult members or do i want uh execution yeah so do i kill want that person to love me or do i want to just like not even worry about it and kill them and, some... and those are interesting like decisions and that part of it is sort of interesting but it, it's still not doing enough there it's interesting because the game really reminds me almost exactly of kingdom death um kingdom death is a board game sure that, that oh, is, i see that. that it's a phenomenal board game uh that i really like a lot 
and the game plays like there is a part where you'll fight a boss, a monster hunter kind of boss in the board game where they're extremely More on that later. extremely hard style like fighting of this creature you have to like hunt it first then fight it then it'll you know like usually like maybe kill some of the people you sent to to fight it um, then it'll drop resources and then you go to a settlement building phase where every year of the settlement or something you're you're making a choice about um, what you want to build and what you want to build go, creates a tree where every time, like you'll create an apothecary and the apothecary puts two new cards in that you could possibly build two new different types of settlement things. And there's usually these, the, there's all these events in the game where um, you like roll dice and it'll say, oh, this time you have someone who has gone insane and um, like, what do you, what do you choose to do with this? So it's almost exactly that kingdom death kind of thing. But, um, and, and, and that I, I like this, this, uh, this con conceptually, but yeah, like the, because the roguelike version feels boring, like it, it doesn't compare to a, like there's, there's, there's roguelites like enter the gungeon or, uh, God forbid binding of Isaac or something where you are, they're run based roguelites where the moment to moment is phenomenal. Like you're, you're like, it feels great to play them. And this is a, the, the, the roguelite, I like the, the rogue portions, like the combat portions I slog through to get to these settlement portions that are like also not the most fun yet. Um, it yeah. feels like maybe it would get there, and like it's the game's trying to do those Kingdom Death um, style uh, events, uh, these kind of like ad hoc um, emergent concepts of Kingdom Death has has all these wild and and, and uh, Dwarf Fortress is a is, is a game version of this where it has all these wild system mechanics where you can have a thing where. Um, you like send someone away to die and then like the next year you roll something and it says oh the, the person who was sent away to die came back and they're like a super warrior and then they get syphilis and then they go insane and then they learn the art of great sword and like all this kind of shit happens where these these like stories are just constantly being generated in that game and this game is like kind of trying to do it but i don't give a shit about my followers and the game doesn't like engender this sense that you would give a shit about your followers. Yeah. It's like, if you wanted like a management sim, you're so much better off with something like rim worlds where it is more about those stories. The rim world I was trying to think of, but dwarf fortress the combat does. stories. Yeah. Dwarf fortress definitely. But I feel like dwarf fortress is more obtuse. Yeah. Yeah. Rim world was what I was trying to think of, but rim world is this kind yeah. of thing where, where it's, you're building these, these settlements and, there's so many things to juggle and hunger and happiness and you're getting these weird moments of like someone going insane or doing something brave and it making this kind of ad hoc emergent crazy story for you and i don't know if this game was attempting to do that i don't think it does it that very well and so far like the as for the settlement like i i, I kind of i slogged through the rogue the the combat portions to get to the settlement portions and where i'm at right now like i have a dissenter but i don't have the resources to be able to deal with them really so they're just constantly kind of ruining my my cult and like walking around dissenting and then meanwhile i have like all my people are i can't build an outhouse yet and all my people are like walking around shitting so you're I, just like the I, janitor yeah a janitor I, and they refuse to cook for themselves it's 
fucking crazy. It's dude. weird that like it's weird because the it's a cult like the idea is that you're you're the cult leader. Why am I cleaning Why, the, but the shit? I, I am the cult leader who like runs the sermons and everything. But and the main I'm way, also the janitor. The main way that I play the game is that like I come back and I clean up everyone's shit and vomit, and then I bake them all food, and then I go around, and then I have to like try and get them to build something new, and then I go back into the. the I, I just I I feel like there hasn't been anything. It's it's a similar kind of feeling almost to Nobody Saves the World, where I really see the concepts but it's not paying off like they needed to the 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 combat portion of the game either needs to be like so breezy and fun and quick that you just do it and you get out of it and now you're back into the settlement settlement portion and then that's where they it seems like there's some more interesting concepts or they need to actually make that part fun like they if if i was if i was loving if it was like hades where i'm going into the combat and i'm i'm loving the hell out of it and the game is like has phenomenal combat and then we go into this and now i'm doing settlement stuff and it's this this crazy um uh binary this kind of this kind of like i'm going between these two different games that are very cool um but right now it just feels like i i'm slogging through a lot of it to try and get to somewhere that it's better um so i I will say that the the style of it is great i I I feel like if we had this sort of style and aesthetics uh with the gameplay of like a binding of isaac that that would be a winner yeah if it, I mean, yeah, if, if the game, it, it, I think that it is similarly, like, I, everything is kind of early access now, um, and I think, it, I don't know if it's similarly early access, and, and if it, it is, is not, it's it finished, not, it's finished, but there's, I, I think that there were planned updates, though. Maybe yeah, they are, but yeah, um, there's updates. if they get to a point where the combat is actually fun, and that they're, like, the tarot cards are such an insane swing and a miss, I don't know what they were thinking with this, and I can't tell if if it was an afterthought or was built in very late into the the game's development, because you just whose idea were some of these things? Whose idea would it be to make like what roguelike did they play that they thought like this was gonna be fun? There's no building in this game. It's really just like this kind of poor man's Zelda combat, and you get out into the open world. And you just I I I think there's enough said about this game. Like I don't really unless you have anything else you want to say. Like I feel like no I, I don't I don't recommend the music is is great. The I beat I beat the first style boss. Is great. I beat the first boss. Yeah, me I'm too. The second area yep. and the second area is really where things are slowing down for me because because the combat is a little bit like trickier and that it's taking like too long to kill enemies and there'll be too many on the screen. I end up going through getting late into runs, just getting some resources and being like, all right, fine, I'll I'll go back. And I'm not really enjoying it. And, I, and I'm not seeing a time where I'm going to enjoy the actual combat of the game. So that is like a pain in the ass. Yeah. Do you want to hear about my game of the year? Your game of the year, Monster Hunter Rise. All right, so Elden Ring, right? Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, so Elden Ring is a game that got worse the more you played it. Right. You can agree with that. The the joy of Elden Ring was uh, in its mystery and in yeah. not knowing what was going to come next. But once you realize that there is like a lot of repetition and it does sort of fizzle out toward the end. Right. Those it, it felt like some of those later game areas, specifically the snow areas, uh, felt a little bit desolate and unfinished. Sure. Uh, although I think that they actually did uh, save some of the best for last with Fram Azul. I, I thought that area was so aesthetically. Amazing. Very. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, but Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. Uh, now you might think, James, have you really played enough of this game? No, I don't. To think justify that. it over that, right? I don't think that. Like, like, did you like? Are you being sensationalist? How, are you 
you know, you played almost Rise 200 itself hours didn't of come Elden out this year, but some yeah, I guess Sunbreak came out this. So I played 130 hours of Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, and I could confidently say that the more you play this game, the better it gets. Uh, so I I don't think I even talked about Rise on maybe I did I don't think I did, but uh, to get through the Rise core content, so I played Rise on the Switch. And we, do, we definitely no, talked about Rise a, a fair amount because I because I played a lot of Rise. Yeah, uh, but I played Rise on Switch. Um, the new update Sunbreak, which is the uh, G rank Master rank expansion of Monster Hunter Rise. Um, it's essentially the size of the game over again. So like more than doubled the size of the game. But there's no save transfer uh, from Switch moving to PC. I'm playing this on PC. So I did have to go through all of the Monster Hunter Rise content, the specifically the Gathering Hub content, again, that took around uh, 20 to 25 hours uh, of playing content that I've, for the most part, already played. So, so that was by far the worst part of this, is that uh, when you play Sunbreak, and they did something similar with Monster Hunter World, uh, they give you a, a, a leveling set, and they give you a set of leveling weapons. It, it's this extremely powerful armor and these really uh, powerful upgradable weapons that have really great defensive stats and essentially uh, re really just expedite the, the trip to mastering. So it's great that they speed that up for you, but uh, you do lose one of the big joys of Monster Hunter, which is I'm beating a monster and then I'm really excited of like, ooh, what kind of armor am I gonna get? What kind of weapons can I craft? Because everything pre-sunbreak that you're going to do everything before this expansion uh the set that they give you the speed set it, it's gonna just be worse right so for the first 25 hours it was really just like i'm i'm just killing monsters and the fun part of this though is because they give you all of these different weapons uh you get to try everything out you get to say, okay, so what is the lance like? What is what are the guns like? What is you know sword and shield like? So that's kind of cool. Is that you know, you you have these weapons that are strong enough to beat every monster hands down. So it does give you that opportunity to experiment. But the, those first few hours are a slog. Uh, once you get to the sunbreak content, uh, they layer on so many new mechanics. So. One of the things that you really liked about Rise was the switch skills. So they dial that up. So switch skills are uh, interchangeable moves in your kit that you can essentially alter. So one example of this is uh, in Sunbreak, they introduced a new uh, way of gunning with the heavy bow gun, where uh, if you held down right trigger, uh, and you could go into like a crouching mode where you hold down right trigger and your character will just start like um, rapid firing uh, one type of round over and over until the gun overheats. But with the switch skill, you could change crouch fire to charge fire, which is if you hold down right trigger, you charge up a super powerful version of that ammo type. So it, it's interesting because the, the switch skills really change the uh, way that these weapons operate. Like those are two totally different versions of heavy bowgun. But in addition to that, they also have introduced uh, swap like uh, loadouts that you could swap between mid-mission. So you could do this thing where you are going into the uh, the the crouch state, you're overheating your gun, and then you just switch right to the charge rounds, and then you let the gun cool down, and you have charge rounds until then. 
And they did this for every weapon. They added a, a ton of new switch skills uh, for every weapon, and now you could switch between them. Uh, when our friend of the show, John, got into Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, uh, and, and we were already in Sunbreak, uh, but he was just coming in, we were actually able to uh, get him into Sunbreak in, I think, around four hours. So once you have people who are already kitted out with that Sunbreak gear, you can really speed up that process of getting people into the um, Otherwise, I mean, new monsters, the monsters uh, in Rise were themed uh, on Eastern horror monsters. And this time in Sunbreak, uh, it's themed on Western monsters. So there's a monster that is sort of like a werewolf, a monster that's like a Frankenstein, one that is like a vampire. And there are some pretty interesting mechanics with these monsters too. One of them, for some uh, reason, your 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 mic is getting this weird garbly sound, like there's something wrong with your internet connection or something. It's gonna be so weird to listen to this podcast. Oh, that's every too bad. every once in a while, not not like all the time. I've, yeah, I've heard your voice go a little bit robotic as well. Weird. Uh, Maybe it's like some issue with, with Discord. I don't know. I just want to mention it in case now that now that it's out there, if people are listening and just like, what is happening? But one it's monster not that I yeah. So one of these monsters that I dug, uh, Garengolm, uh, has like two different sides of his body where he has like a fire side and an ice side, and he has different elemental weaknesses on different sides of his body. That's pretty cool. So that was like a pretty neat mechanic. The um, the one that is like vampiric uh, can like leech from you, and his armor set is really cool, where he has an ability on his armor where if you attack a monster's broken part, uh, you will leech health from him. Uh, yeah, just re just really neat new armor sets. And I, I feel like with Rise, Rise was like the fastest, most arcadey version that Monster Hunter has ever had. And now that you're, you know, getting up to like the master rank version, which are like exceptionally hard monsters with all of these new mechanics, but the reward is so high where all of the armor sets you're getting have like a ridiculous amount of perks on them. So you're mixing and matching and really creating like your dream set of armor that, that is just like doing all of this crazy shit. The, the set that I've built uh, for myself at this point has multiple uh, perks, which are constantly draining my health. Uh, but there there's like this big, this big payoff in them where I have this set that's like draining my health. But if I use a switch swap, I can heal myself. Uh, so essentially, if I'm if I'm able to sort of like switch between like my two loadouts in the middle of the quest, so I'm like getting heals on that. I like have a fury meter that I'm building up, and if I'm able to get that over the edge, that will also heal me. And if I'm afflicted by a status ailment, I'm gaining all of these like bonus stats. And I'm playing right now with the bow, and it was interesting. I'm trying to remember. Uh, you were talking about Sekiro earlier and you were talking about like being in the monster's face and like uh, in the enemy's face and sort of like weaving attacks between parries. And like, that's exactly what I'm doing with my bow set right now where I'm playing like this shotgun bow set, but I have like the ability to do a dodge counter attack between shots. So I'm just like firing off volleys, like doing like this, this dodge counterpoint attack, which if a monster attacks me while I'm doing it, it's like empowering my next bow shot. And if I get in enough hits, I'm like procking my fury and healing myself where it's like this major risk reward of if I get hit, like my health is like constantly draining. 
So I'm at like half health. If I get hit, I'm going to die. But I'm like pumping out like so much damage. And it is just like this insane feeling, this like insane power trip of I'm dealing so much damage. I'm constantly breaking parts. And if I get hit, I'm toast. I'm toast. I'm toast. Uh, so we've hit the end game on this too. So once you finish the mainline boss, they essentially like open up this almost like another tier of difficulty where now you're investigating. They're called like these anomaly investigations where you're fighting uh, through these procedurally generated quests where the monsters are constantly getting stronger and stronger. But you're going to find like multiple monsters that usually wouldn't be paired together in environments that you wouldn't usually find them. And they're acting in ways like we we started this one quest uh, to hunt three monsters and all of the monsters were all in one area at the start of the quest. So we were able to like go over there and see like these massive turf wars happening between these monsters that don't even belong on this map uh, fighting each other. And the rewards of it are so cool where there is this new type of crafting that allows you to uh, add randoms. Uh, you essentially, it's called like curious crafting. And whenever you do it, you're investing these materials uh, from these anomaly investigations and it's adding random perks and randomly like buffing or nerfing the capabilities of your items. So it's like this massive risk reward of like, all right, I'm going to roll this and I'm going to hope for something awesome. And once you do the roll, you can either choose to keep what you had or proceed with the roll. So you might get like your weapon gets three more perks, but it loses defense. So it is this constant like it is this insane end game of you're always going to be chasing stronger and stronger gear through like this random roll system and chase and like constantly fighting these stronger and stronger enemies. And new monsters are unlocking like through hundreds of tiers of like this, like master rank levelings. It is, it is monster hunter heaven. Wow. I wonder it's if, amazing. I always wonder if like the next monster hunter will end up wanting to go in this direction, but probably not, I guess. Usually like the mainline ones are a little bit more grounded Reserved. and then, and then they get to like these ones where they feel like they can go buck wild. Um, but, but I, I don't know. I would think with the success, isn't this the best selling monster hunter of all time? And like world was so insanely well, uh, good selling. It feels like, I mean, I, I the franchise itself is just may is a mainstream franchise. Now I feel like it's more of a, um, household name than it, than it used to be and not quite as niche, but, um, but I wonder it might be hard for people who are big Sunbreak fans to go to a new one unless they, um, keep it kind of speeding up. But I think that they're kind of headed in that direction. They've been headed in, in, in a slightly more user-friendly and fun direction than the initial Monster Hunters that were, like, obtuse and purposefully, um, like, user-hostile. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, it would be interesting to see what, what they want to do, what the next mainline Monster Hunter uh, team does. Yeah. Speaking of games that run great on Steam Deck, this game uh, runs flawlessly on Steam Deck. Looks really good. Uh, there, the two cons of this game, I would say, is first off, doesn't look as good as Worlds, right? Like we knew that. Yeah, it never, uh, it never would. But technically, I think that the aesthetics in this game are better than World. The the monsters are so cool. About... Goss Harag, best monster of all time. Yeah. Oh well. I. Uh... Yeah. There are some monsters in this game that it's, are really. It's Gosserog, though, baby. New version that are really, Everyone loves really Gosserog. Gosserog is very sick. Uh, 
I love how he makes the, the ice claws on himself. And you could break the ice claws if you have fire weapons and weaken him. That is very cool. Uh, I think you should play this. Uh, maybe. I mean, I feel like it's gotten out of uh, out of my my uh, my purview. It's gone. It's gone away from you. No, I don't think so. We push you right through that rise content. You'll get to the new stuff. In you guys already hours. have four people doing everything, and I've been playing a yeah, lot usually of Guilty Gear recently. A lot of Guilty. Really? Yes. How's that been? Um, good and bad. They, they released it's, a new character. It's Guilty right? Gear. Um, yes, they released a new character. Uh, it was a, uh, uh, Evo happened. It was fantastic. It was the best Evo of all time. Fighting games are the best that they've ever been. People are loving it. More people are playing fighting games. And there was this awesome, like, at the end, of, or be, actually before Guilty Gear, uh, the top eight started, which Guilty Gear was act- is, is, as a franchise. Speaking of, like, we always talk about these franchises that put in the work over years, and then they have a new iteration. And some of it is maybe just the... The, the population, the gamer base is bigger, but this is like, this Guilty Gear puts all other Guilty Gears to shame. Like, this is a huge, massive Guilty Gear, and the fact that Guilty Gear headline popularity. Yeah, in terms of popularity and sales, and uh, this was this headline. This is the first time in Guilty Gear history where Guilty Gear headlined Evo. It had the most entrance. It didn't have the most viewership. Street Fighter V still had the most viewership. Interesting. Um, but, uh, uh, well, it was a, give it another year. Street Fighter Six will be out, and I I bet you that'll. I wonder we, if it do will we be have out. a release on I, that. I wonder if it will be out. I I uh uh the uh they they had the uh, the, the amazing commentators uh, James Chen and Ultra David who are like the classic Street Fighter commentators, and they were kind of saying how you know, like this is the swan song of of Street Fighter Five. I actually don't know if I completely buy it. Um, Street Fighter Five also in a in a very fantastic spot. It's going to be one of those. Street Fighter Five is gonna be like a third strike where in like forty years people will like they'll they're gonna be Street Fighter Five tournaments like it, it'll still be around forever. Um, it has a massive. You really think so? Oh yeah, like uh, no. Like, Street Fighter Third Strike has GGPO. Yeah, um, Street Fighter Five. Maybe this game. This Street Fighter Five still. GGPO. Street Fighter Five still needs its like. It, like it it, 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 Street Fighter Five isn't done until in like five years they'll be they'll say like for whatever weird reason we're putting in actual Roebuck netcode and then Street Fighter Five will like have a resurgence. But uh yeah like I I mean even when when Street when Street Fighter Three didn't have GGPO and there wasn't Street Fighter Three online it was still like talked about as one of the most best like the best fighting games and there were still people playing it a lot like it still kind of existed in 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 circles and it was like there was always street fighter 3 tournaments at evo but but whatever um i mean street fighter 5 right now on steam 1900 players that's pretty healthy uh yeah especially for a game that says it's kind of done comparatively dnf duel 190 players i wonder why that Uh, game is toast yeah it's just it's just so weird the way it was handled like i dnf duel is probably gonna make my top five because i had such a good time with it and i just love fighting games but it's bizarre to have a fighting game that is like, yep, we did it and it's out and goodbye and not do anything about it. I, I guess this is the way that Aiding handled Marvel anyway, because Marvel wasn't like getting updates, but that's kind of what you expect from a lot of these yeah. types of games. Like that's, a, that's how you need to keep the player base high for these kind of games. Yeah. You so know you what's need... interesting? Yeah. Monster Hunter Rise, 23,000 people. Monster Hunter World, 9,000. Still good numbers on monster hunter world hell yeah that's interesting so yeah so fantastic evo it it just this is a fighting games continue to get 
um, better and more interesting. And I think uh, I, 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 there's so many positive things that I think about the current state of fighting games. I think that balance is much, much better than it used to be in the past for fighting games. Like the concepts of tier lists are much more uh, nebulous and... Um, even when there's like poor balance, I mean, well, then you have games like DNF Duel that, that actually, <laughs> that, that seek to prove me wrong. But, um, so yeah, Fantastic Evo. And before the top eight, they announced Bridget, which Bridget is the, uh, probably with a bullet, the most anticipated character that Bridget hasn't been in any of the recent Guilty Gears. Bridget never made it into the last iteration, uh, Guilty Gear Rev. Um, and, uh, this is a character that, uh, tons of people, it, it's a big uh, fan favorite character. Um, it is, without a doubt, the most popular character in Japan. And a lot of the uh, Eastern uh, like uh, fighting game community uh, likes Bridget the most. Um, in the West, it's I think Slayer is probably the most popular, um, even though Slayer doesn't always... It's one of those Guilty Gear things where like I don't think Slayer sees like a ridiculous amount. We love amount. Twilight. We play? love yeah. Twilight. Loved Twilight. Bridget uh, is the original, like, I feel like is like the original trans character, which is pretty crazy. Like The original I, trickster, the, too. The original... The, uh, the trickster with the yo-yo. Yeah, like, the old Bridget... Inter- so the way that Bridget used to play and why people kind of like this character is that Bridget had a mechanic where... Um, uh, it originally, <laughs> a quick backstory, I'm going to call Bridget uh, her because that's what Bridget is going by right now. And just like a, like a lore update, Bridget uh, was, is like born uh, uh, like a male um, with uh, a twin to another uh, boy. And in their town, um, uh, two like gendered children are bad luck and I think are like either like sacrificed or something or like pariahs. So their uh, uh, Bridget's parents dressed him up like a girl, and uh, all of Bridget's stories prior to um, Strive are about how Bridget is trying to like seek what it means to be a man and like take their manhood back. And in Strive, they're realizing that that they don't know why that they're doing that, and that they've more, been more comfortable as a girl, and they are going by her now. So just if if I if it makes it less confusing, but um, Bridget's old mechanic is that they uh, she didn't have a uh, uh, H button. What she had was whenever you press H button in a direction, um, she would throw the yo-yo away, and you could throw it in eight directions, and then she could like move to where the yo-yo was. Um, and one of the it's kind of like a weird style. Um, the way that Bridget used to play at a high level is that. They would you would try and get the enemy a little bit lower, and Bridget had four air jumps. She could use four actions in the air. So what Bridget that's could, too many. So what Bridget could would do it is this is super boring. But Bridget would like get the enemy low, then like jump up into the air, throw the yo-yo to one side of the screen, um, dive towards the yo-yo on the other side of the screen, jump, throw the yo-yo to the other side of the screen, dive towards that, and just kind of like stay hyper mobile away from the enemy and then just kind of play this keep out where 
they're kind of impossible to lock down and now they have a life lead and they're gonna waste they're gonna timer scam you which i don't understand why japan loved this at concept as a character so now uh fast forward to strive this is a very this has been a uh extremely anticipated character didn't make it into the last iteration of guilty gear drops like the the trailer it drops uh top eight we haven't heard any guilty gear news and they're like bridget is out tomorrow crazy so uh, Bridget, nice. Bridget plays in this game is Bridget is the character that I've put in the most time, um, uh, second to Zato probably. Maybe Nagoriyuki in the beginning of the game, but uh, Bridget not is Viking. A, not Viking. Actually, I've put in more time to Bridget, and Bridget is probably my best character, sadly, um, because uh, Bridget at least like Zato. There's still there's still a lot more for me to learn, and the character is like extremely difficult to play, and you kind of can't autopilot that much with Zato because their defenses, Zato's defenses, is horrific, and if you like lose a neutral, um, uh, if you lose a neutral, like you probably lost the game. And Zato also has like these really really bad matchups. Like out of the characters that are considered like higher higher. Uh, like up and are like better characters uh zato is like generally considered pretty strong right now but zato has these like horrific matchups and uh those kind of things like you know can be frustrating zato's strength is that if they put you in block stun or they they get a chance to mix you up that usually people don't know what to do and zato can like extend that block string into like constant pressure get bridget is the character that i put in like a ton of time into and i absolutely love like this character so much i'm having a lot of fun and what i'm liking so much about it is that bridget has very like loopable offense strings like you can kind of like think more a little bit similar to like an eno or a chip it's more like you're gonna do your offense to them in a lot of cases and then you're gonna like mix up and most of it's gonna be like impossible to react to um one of the main mechanics about bridget is they, they kind of, just like they did with a lot of the other characters, I think they've done a phenomenal job of, like, taking what made the character uh, unique and then simplifying it in an almost Street Fighter-y way. So, like, you know, Biken, for example, used to be all about all these, like, she, she was, like, about counters, but also more, more technically about this thing where she could cancel her guard stun into attacks, um, which meant that her whole play style was, like, you had to figure out you couldn't play your normal game against her because she could keep attacking you while you were attacking her. Bridget, like I said, used to be this character about throwing the yo-yo down and then being able to, like, rush over to it and, like, you know, escape you. But now she's this character that kind of throws out this projectile yo-yo and she can um, uh, do this spin that transports her to the yo-yo and hits you on the way. And kind of, like, the main way that she ends up playing in a lot of cases is that uh, she throws the yo-yo, and now it becomes this, like, complicated game of, like, is she, is she going to, you know, do this, like, dash towards the yo-yo? Because she can cancel it at any point in time. So she can do stuff like dash and stop and not move towards you, in which case, like, the enemy might, you know, try and reversal it or do a super, and then you can bait it out. Or um, you can do, like, these dive, this, like, dive kick attack she has. Uh, she has one of the, this insane... I love characters that have command throws. She has, like, one of the most bonkers command throws I've ever seen in a fighting game. She has a command throw where on the ground she, like, hops forward and throws you, and it, it is uh, low invincible. So, like, any any low attacks, like, you, she loses her bottom... Similar to, like, a reverse 6P, she loses the bottom half of her hitbox and can throw. Um, but in the air, if you do the throw, 
she'll start winding it up and falling towards the ground and um you can hold it to not release to not grab yet so you can like be in the air above the enemy hitting them and like they're in block stun like guarding your 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 jumping in attacks and then cancel that into the throw and then you just kind of fall to the ground and quickly grab them there's so many like, crazy mix-ups and things this character does and it's a very like hyper hyper mobile uh rushdown character and then the other thing that is really really interesting about bridget is that she kind of has like axle low normals so she has like right. huge you know not like 40 percent screen normals like really big long reaching she throws she throws yo-yos out as the normals so she has these like this kind of crazier range and uh so you could you as you're playing her you really get to play these two separate styles of you can play this grounded footsies with the her long long range normals and when you get a knockdown or you get a, a chance to like start rushing them down a little bit more you get to play this like hyper mobile character that can almost like dragon ball fighter style fly in a direction at that she sent the yo-yo in um and she just really is like a, a super blast to, yeah. to play like she's well, very well, very fun i also think uh something that you didn't mention that is a little bit easier to understand is also that bridget uh signals the start of season two oh, yeah, uh, yeah. for character releases so we can expect over the next year that we're also going to get another four characters for guilty gear drive so yeah. that's that's exciting i mean it means the game's going to have a long life i I still really appreciate that game, and I think that coming uh, off of DNF Duel, I appreciate it more. To appreciate uh, Guilty Gear Strive even more uh, than I did before. Uh, Going from uh, DNF Duel, where a lot, where it actually feels like you have so few decisions to make and so few options, uh, p going back to Guilty Gear Strive felt like an open world game. Like yeah. it felt like. It felt like the difference between playing like a side-scrolling game and like a, 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 yeah, a 3D. 3D game. You go from Zelda 2 side-scrolling Zelda to Ocarina of Time, and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Um, I will say that that like I hate bringing this up. I don't. I don't hate it because I fucking hate it. Is that the the tower is so bad? And I oh I, yeah. I we 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 mentioned the, the tower is the ranked mode in guilty single time. Like it, it is insane to me. The worst so mode, yeah. so you know I'm coming back and I'm loving Bridget and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. And there's so many unique in, in, issues that especially because for for a long time we, we complained about the tower a billion times. And then what I kind of did ended up doing was just playing in the park all the time. And the park is you uh. just get into random matches with. Uh, people and you can just keep replaying them infinitely as long as you want to want to play them like no there's no reward for it there's no um like progression or anything and then the the tower is what's their stand-in for a ranked mode but it's not really um and it's just they're, they're, we've talked about it a million times and especially even in like the, the game of the year we talked about it but uh, the the issue that I that I like I, I I started playing again and just this current run of tower was like my Bridget is so good and P and I'm I'm feeling like it's really awesome and strong and that I'm doing fairly well against a lot a lot of people and I kept getting into um, the heaven waiting room which is a th thing we talk about a lot and while I was in the heaven waiting room it's so much time has passed and the tower is actually becoming more of an issue so in the heaven waiting room. Uh, like I, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna for the first time, I'm gonna actually, um, uh, like, like look for better fights. I'm not gonna just take whoever, I, whoever you know, I, I see. 
I'm gonna. You're look, I'm, so when you say a better fight, do you mean a I'm fight gonna, that is like, uh, so, like um someone like me who's like a le easier the le level 100s? This this thing happens where um the way that, that that leveling up a character in Guilty Gear works like there you have like a, a character rank uh, that that anyone can see when they fight you and. As you play in the tower, the higher up in the tower you go, the more experience you go. But there's this exponential thing that happens where um, when you're playing at floor 10, you can basically only get around level 100. Um, at level 100, it slows down to like a glacial crawl. And then to go higher than that, you'd you'd go to to, to heaven where where yeah, you get a ton, much ton of need experience. To be in heaven. So yeah. so the people who are around, like anyone around like level one hundred, this is this ten point five floor ten point five thing where people who are at level level one hundred, I feel pretty comfortable against. Like they're not perfect; they make mistakes every once in a while. But even then, like they usually understand the game. They usually understand concepts they understand how they should be playing they know mix-ups they know some element of neutral um and the games are pretty good and then you get into the tower waiting room and i was like trying to to kind of filter out some of the more insane high levels but i'm like it's like i'm turning down level 1500 nagoriyuki level 2000 zato level level like 1000 ram all this kind of stuff where it's like there's no reality in which i can beat this person there's just there's not a a single reality in which i can beat this person this is a person that has been playing the game you don't think there's one universe in the whole multiverse no no doctor strange doctor strange would put a big old fucking goose egg on it there's no reality that i can beat some of these people like it's it's crazy they've been playing like I, i'm i'm level 100 like i haven't been able to make it to to heaven yet and also like i haven't stuck to a character as much as like i've stuck to like to zato and even then like I, i'll fall off the game for a couple weeks a month and then come back and then these are like people who have been playing throughout season one have their main they're in heaven they're fighting the best people like they are playing at a level like you you are this practice is important and it's almost like in fighting games you kind of are what you eat like if you we we stunt our growths because it, it, it's fun and it's usually less stressful um just constantly replaying your friend in a set but you you slowly you, you learn how to fight them is what you mostly learn how sure. to fight yeah. and uh you you kind of like you both are get to a point where if one of you is better then you'll usually kind of level up the worst person to get to the point yeah, where so, so that's what i like is i don't actually have to worry about I don't have to go out there as long as you're going out there. And I get you're stronger, getting better at the and game, then I bring that then back to I you. I can feed off of you. Yeah. So like, that, but that's what, but that's what we do. But these people, like the at level one thousand five hundred, level two thousand Zato, that person has been playing in heaven randomly. And you know what? The, the other crazy thing about heaven is that. It, like I don't know if we, we we haven't explained how the the mechanic of heaven works. We always explain what it's like to not be in heaven. Is that once you get in heaven for the month, you can't get kicked out. You get kicked out at the beginning of the month. And while you're in there, it is a Greek orgy of anyone can fight anyone, and there's there's no limits to it. And you just go buck wild. And the people who are in heaven, like if I ever got there, I feel like I would actually play a ton of guilty gear because that would be your chance like you are playing the best of the you're playing fantastic people people who've played a ton of that character so the people who are getting to heaven and then getting kicked out and then going back in and you're having to duel them to get into heaven like they've probably been in heaven a couple times and that's why they're level like a thousand level two thousand and they're awesome like they they've been playing against the best people they've been just randomly matching and playing like big long 40 sets with 
crazy good players just not getting kicked out of it and just and just enjoying their time in it and just leveling up whereas getting into heaven is so frustrating so yeah like i got i, I had multiple th- this thing happens where i go for a heaven run get to heaven placements you have to win five out of six games which is i think that's demanding i understand it's five out of six i thought it was four out of five Five out of six. Every time, yeah, like wow. it's five. It's five out of six. If you every time you win a game, obviously, like it just it, it'll change the number. Like I, so like I had a heaven run where I had two wins. It was the best I've ever done because usually I get to heaven, I fight, so I I'll fight whoever, I'll fight someone who's like way out of my skill uh, uh, range, and then they beat me twice and kick me out. Um, and then this time I fought someone who was playing Bridget, and they were like a level one fifty Bridget, and I beat them. Um, twice and had my my best heaven run ever so I only needed three more wins um, and then I just ended up fighting some fucking crazy like level uh, thousand geo that just stomped all over me and sent me back it's just so frustrating like that's it's, your fault I mean, it's you such chose a bad... to fight the level thousand geo right and, and then that's the, it is the other bad, dumb it is thing a is bad like mechanic like what like why so so what I should do is like if I really want it is like get to heaven placements and then just sit around there for hours filtering to get into fights that like I know that I can like just maybe like lower level people that is like you know you have a th- chance yeah like There's I actually have people a chance. that are like you people yeah. that are coming in I mean, there are also uh, heaven players who just wait, who feed on the on the new players. Yeah. To pad their stats to get the levels, which also sucks. Yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's, it's the worst experience. Right? I just wanna I want a straight up ladder, and I, I I was really hoping that season two they would have. I, I guess I, I guess they would be. Maybe they'll do it when they have crossplay because they're starting. Yeah. They're gonna have crossplay. Oh, and maybe. Then, and then that'll boost. Oh, you know, the the that'll boost the player base a lot. It should make the matches better. It should make everything a lot better for for all Guilty Gear players. You know, just you you have more players, so you can find a better. Con- I mean, they also haven't even added anything to show a connection yet. So it's always weird getting you like the, a new character comes out. I'm I'm invigorated by Guilty Gear. I'm thinking like, you know, why did I ever fall off in the first place? And then you encounter all these problems where. You get into these horrible connection matches, and there's nothing that would deter that shows you at all what the connection is going to be. And then the the way that the matchmaking works is just absolutely insane. That the matchmaking d- makes no attempt to find you a fair match. It just makes just finds you who who's ever on the same like tower level as you. Um, and then you have the stuff like heaven, and it's just like it's broke, it's busted. So it's always frustrating going back to it and just being like, man, this game is so amazing. Why do we ever stop playing it? Oh yeah. The rank system. You want to talk about some other games? Yeah, what else? Uh, played through, or uh, yeah, essentially, uh, Kevin Cruz and I watched Nate play through the Mortuary Assistant. Why which I um, heard this. So the Mortuary Assistant is a very scary uh, story-based, sort of like a point-and-click game, where you are uh, a mortician's assistant who is essentially trapped in their office at night with three bodies. And one of the bodies is a host to a demon. Uh, is, and, this, is this randomized? Like, you have to figure it yes. out every night? It's, so it's like a Five Nights at Freddy's kind of thing? or something. It's uh, not really exactly I, like that, but it's like a... Me, I don't know exactly how Five Nights at Freddy's plays, but essentially... What's well, a run-based? To... It's like a run-based thing, but I guess in yeah. this one it's like more phasmophobia, like you're, like you're trying to figure out... You're stuck here. You have, you have to figure out something. Yeah, and the it. yeah, and the so there are like I, I, there are like five different endings maybe. Uh, so they it encourages multiple playthroughs. Uh, but you need to sort of like use like clues to figure out 
uh, which body the demon is possessing. And in the midst of that, you also need to uh, take care of these corpses. You need to, uh, I assume, do what a mortician would do. Uh, so it involves, you know, some staples under the under the teeth and some draining of the blood, mixing chemicals together for embalming. Uh, but but it's it's especially creepy because you need to get close to these corpses, and obviously one of them is going to be doing some weird shit when you're when you're trying to try trying to take care of its body because you need to be like moving the body to look under it for uh, like welts or something just to make sure that you're identifying the correct body and all of that, uh, and you're moving through like a pretty small environment like it's like this mortician's office. There's only a couple of rooms. Uh, but the longer you spend there, uh, the less sanity you have and the demon starts to play tricks on you where you might go down this hallway and a light will turn off. And then when it turns on, the hallway is way too long and, and things like that. Or it'll just be like standing in a corner while, or like you'll turn a corner and you'll see it and then the light will go off and it'll turn on and it won't be there. And the runs are sort of not necessarily they're they're kind of timed in a way because your character is like you can't tell how much sanity you have but you're always kind of keenly aware that you have less and less and that you sort of are under the gun to like complete these tasks and make it happen uh so that's a pretty cool game i i think that uh the asking price is a little bit high for being like a pretty short game i know that it encourages multiple playthroughs but you could kind of finish the game and see an ending uh, in maybe 90 minutes, and it's a $25 game. So if you're not going to play through it multiple times, then the $25 asking price is pretty high. But it's also a game that you're kind of playing through with friends. Uh, it, I mean, you, you, you really have to be a special sort of person to enjoy a game like this by yourself, uh, because it is, it is very, very creepy. I know. I, I'll never stop thinking about the ben, Beneviento house. Too yeah. much. Too much for me. I had to. I remember I had to get you to like be on Discord with me or something because it was like I just could not deal with that house. Yeah, exactly. Uh, League of Legends. I've been playing some League of Legends. Uh, not too much has changed, but I did want to bring up that we've been playing Clash, and I want to bring it up because I think Clash is such a cool system. So Clash are these online micro tournaments. Uh, that happen a couple nights a week for League of Legends, uh, where essentially you play three games. And based on the performance of these three games, the next week you are going to play uh, more challenging or less challenging opponents. Uh, but at the end of the three games, you're also getting these unlockable like goodies. You're getting uh, like emotes, you're getting skins, and all of this based on your performance. You're getting more rewards or fewer rewards. And I, I found this system to be like so much more like interesting than just playing ranked. And I feel like Clash has actually given me more of a reason to improve at the game than just ranked because I want to like I want to like carry my friends and get more goodies and like, you know, out outthink the other team because you're a five man group who's always fighting another five man group. So there is also like more strategizing. You get to see the um you get to see who you're fighting like three minutes before the game starts, which means that you have time to figure out uh, their match history. You get to see what champions they like to play and you get to sort of do counter picks. You get to make decisions of like, 
all right, I'm going to ban this person's champion and then I'm going to pick their secondary or I'm going to let them pick their primary and I'm going to choose a character that like counter counters that. It, it does give you the, it gets the, you get to have that rush of like pro play. Yeah. You're also doing the pick ban the way that it works in pro play where they ban a champ, you ban a champ, you do the three bans and then you do the three picks and then you do the following two bans with the following two picks. So it is kind of cool where it's like you get to do pro play junior. Where yeah, that's really you neat. You do get to get that like. That's taste such a cool of, concept. Of, yeah, I, I wish that uh, like Valorant or something had something like this, where you're playing on like different maps versus like the same team and stuff like that. That would be kind of cool. That would be hard. I, I I feel like more than Valorant. I I don't know if it's just the 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 skill that that the other people like. I'm I'm playing Valorant recently, and we all and we and we play Valorant and talk about it, but uh. It's harder with Valorant because, like we've said from the beginning, I feel like I have on and off days. And with League, there's so much more theoretical stuff. Um, there's a lot of skill in League and a lot of mechanical skill. But I think that it's a little bit more fun. And also because of the con- the whole concept of picks and bans, that there's this whole neat thing that could be done, that, that is being done with Clash, where you're you're going up against another five stack and you're getting to look at their history, like you said, and figure out like how, how are you as a team going to topple this team? Based yeah, on their it's history. not the same as like I mean the the alternative would be like in Valorant you know that like oh this player always holds A yeah like, we it, could look at the it's, VODs it's, it's hard to like it, yeah, it would it'd be kind of hard because there's there's no picks and bans in Valorant so you wouldn't have that side of it and like my skill in Valorant varies wildly from week to week there are months that I go through where I am a garbage old 80 year old man with no reactions that like fires like wildly into the abyss and then there's times where I'm just like oh my god I, I I'm just aiming towards the head I'm, I'm running and like counter strafing and headshotting everyone and like I don't know why I'm playing perfectly and like the enemy is afraid and I, I just I, I that is very unbelievably rare when those cases happen but we've also had recently I feel like for the most part we've been playing pretty badly as a group um which is frustrating or just like getting into um uh a games we have a lot of uh maps where uh it's just like the one good person on the enemy team is just controlling it and that's always really frustrating that can happen in league but that's usually because of what they did in that round in that in that game more than anything like someone got out of control and top because Nate fed, you know, and now they're doing very well. Whereas this game in, in, in Valorant, you could just have this thing happen where the one person is so good that they are, you know, buying a marshal and headshotting everyone. And it's hard to like strategize around them, you know? Yeah. And, we we and are coming up to the because... end of the, the season though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It might be a new character. Oh. Should be a new, should Ooh. be a new character coming out. Uh, in I, don't, I don't really like the current state of Valorant because I, I don't like the current. I don't like that they took out Split. That yeah, that's like pretty split. much it. I I I, I kind of am bummed out about that. I feel like there are now. I'm not a big fan of Fractured. I'm not a fan of Breeze. So I feel like there's a couple of maps that I really just don't want to play on. And I almost feel like every time that I play, I'm getting those maps, and I just want to be playing like Bind and Ascent and maybe like Pearl even. Like I think I love Pearl. A decent map. Like I don't like it as Pearl's much. Pearl's one of my favorites but... right now. But yeah, I, I I agree with you. Like I really love Split. I I feel like that would not have been my choice to get rid of. I know that Breeze and Fracture are newer. I I feel like most of the community doesn't love Breeze. I think maybe at a high level it's pretty fun because Breeze is so 
open and that there's a lot of like long range aim duels that that make it so that the better players usually win on breeze i feel yeah. like if we if we, if you like any map is fun if it's if the skill is pretty close but breeze is like all these really long range like you have to headshot duels um that yeah. i that like our group of people is like not necessarily the best at all the time and like i'm not always like playing my 100 so like it's not fun to lose that map i think in other maps also in in maps that are smaller like pearl haven bind those maps like you can sometimes win based off of good ability usage um a little bit more so than just raw aim and breeze is so raw aim duels it's like you just win by these long range duels. yeah but so I, final I, I, do, I agree with you i actually do agree with you like i i don't I don't love Breeze, and I'm a little sick of of Fracture. I think I would like it more if I saw it less. And I feel like there's still an issue with map waiting. Um, I basically don't see a lot of Pearl, and I wish I saw more. Like I'm, I almost like want to play more like Haven and Bind, and I, I feel like I I, I w- want Split to be in there. They should have just done a thing where people can like. If you're playing with enough people, like if I don't know how this would work with like different stacks of people, but there should be a thing like the beginning of the map of the round where you can like you can like choose to ban a map. Like you could you should like load into a raw game with no map picked and then maybe like maybe either everyone votes for a map or you can like ban a map or something. I I, I don't know. It because I at the very least, I almost wish that we could five stack and then do that, you know, so we could just play the maps we want to play. Yeah, I know what you mean. It also feels like, um, I mean, compared to something like League of Legends, Valorant does feel like it gets a little bit more stale because there's less balancing overall that they could do. I mean, League of Legends, it just has more characters and it has like the way that characters interact with items. So, you know, when certain items get adjusted, it feels like character power rises and falls. Um, You know, they're constantly reworking characters. So I feel like you know, bi-weekly League sort of has things that make it feel refreshed. And I feel like Valorant early on, they, they did a lot of that. And at this point, I feel like they've kind of settled into a groove with, with it where they're really only adjusting like one character at a time where it feels like, all right, this week it's about Phoenix buffs. The next, you know, two weeks later, it's about chamber nerfs. And I, I, th- I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. It, it is... But it is just like, uh, you know, it's it's a little less dynamic. Yeah, I would I would say that like I, I really hope that I, I with, with the current state of Valorant and how it's been in the last two years, I, I actually increasingly hope that they do move towards the picks bands. I think we're getting to the point where there's enough characters that do that that play similar roles, and that I think the game would would be more fun if because we we've never gotten to the point where where there really has been cool stories about like, oh, did you see this big pick? Or like, did you see the way that they comboed these abilities? And I think the game would be much more fun at a pro level or even at a at a low level if like we had to do pick spans. Like if we actually had a thing going where, where you know, it, it, it became a, a thing where it was like, okay, well, they banned Phoenix. We need someone to flash. Like who can play this character? We need someone to get on... Uh, 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 Reina or something, and like, or we, like, we need they, they banned out our smoker. We need to like move to a different. I think that kind of stuff would be cool, and it would be even cooler for a pro play because I think that's always fun. You always have like some fun in pick and ban. You phases like to see in the, the, in the surprising theory. picks, like yeah. uh, you know the some of the LCS uh, finals are going on right now. There's a team that's been C9 has been playing Kennen, and it's like that's crazy. 
you don't see Kennen. And mm-hmm. you see them doing things like, all right, they have Nocturne and Kennen. So the Nocturne is like making it dark. They're doing their ultimate. And then Kennen is flanking and getting that massive alt. And like, those are the stories you want to see. Yeah. Uh, so one final game, Path of Exile. New oh yeah, tell out. me, Lake of Calandra doesn't even—it doesn't even sound like a Path of Exile expansion, to be honest. It's not like Desolation, Nemesis, Synthesis, Incursion. Yeah, so the Lake of Calandra—it's a more lore-intensive league. It's about Calandra, which is uh, the character that is famous for the Mirror of Calandra, which is like the rarest, most sought-after item in League of Legends. Uh, I don't and, really know and, much and about Path of, Path of Exile lore. Yeah, you said I don't League know of much Legends. about. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know much about uh, Path of Exile lore, even though I've Me played the game for like 2,000 hours. You've also played the uh, story a thousand times. I have, yeah, and I well now I've played it a thousand and one. There's a guy uh, you end up fu- you you try to save the world, you end up fucking up the world. You go back, you do it again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the new mechanic in this uh, is pretty similar to a couple of other leagues that they've done, uh, like Incursion and Synthesis, where as you go through the game, you're finding. Uh, these tablets and you're essentially slotting tablets in on this map uh, to create a dungeon. Uh, and there will be tablets that you like. Yeah, you have. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. This is very similar to synthesis or it seems like that, but it's a much more simplified version of it. Um, the reward, there's a new reward uh, that you get at the end of one of these dungeons, uh, which is that you'll be presented with two mirrored uh, pieces of jewelry. So, which will have uh, massively empowered stats, but drawbacks. So, an example is you might get a ring that has 150 HP, but minus 70 cold resist. And then you get the mirrored, or you could choose the mirrored item, which is minus 150 max health, but plus 70 cold resist. Obviously, there's, you know, and there's like eight modifiers on them. So you have to weigh whether or not like the good versus the good versus the bad, right? Like of these two items. And I've, I've seen some pretty interesting ones. And it's also, you know, noteworthy because some of these items, you know, maybe the uh, negatives aren't so bad. Maybe it has like a ton of resistances, but you lose max health. But you're playing a build that doesn't use health at all. So you get like all of the benefits and none of the negatives. And that's sort of what you're seeking out. Uh, the other thing they've done with this patch is they've reworked over a hundred unique items. Uh, so that's really exciting for leveling. Ultimately what they did is they, they're, they're trying to make it so that every unique item is actually doing interesting and actually has unique characteristics to it, which has made leveling pretty exciting because, you know, you, you ID a unique item that you've seen, uh, for the last five years, but now it's doing something interesting. So it's cool to identify those items and actually be surprised with what it's doing. Um, that's the that's the short version of uh, the new Path of Exile expansion. Hell yeah. Those are video games, right? That's all of them? That's every video games. Because I'm so hungry. Nice. I'm hungry for video games. You should go play some. Uh, this is What's the Deal with Games for the week of August 21st. Who knows when this podcast... Uh, but you could find it on WTDGpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at sign WTDG podcast. You can also find us on your favorite streaming apps, WTDG podcast, or what's the deal with games where you can rate, comment, and subscribe to the show. Thank you, Ryan Galloway and Bumper, for the use of your music. We use the new intro and outro off the new album, Pop Songs 2020. You can get it. Uh, you can find them at YouTube. We can find links to all their merch. 
Um, I own the shirt and I own the record. Nice. Uh, what do we say? We always come to this part, and I just we got to have a thing. Um, we had keep it sleazy. I mean, it feels like we're it feels like twenty twenty two is is waning, and we just haven't had a thing. Um, I know what you mean. I don't know. I I guess for a little while we I I think we always. I think, I, if I remember correctly, we always just end on that note of just try finger butthole, you know? All right. Thanks, All right. Bye. All right. Thank you. I have to go eat.